podcasting from Mount Pleasant, Utah, this is the Sampete Horse Training Podcast. Sampete Horse Training's mission statement is simple, to send home a respectful, well-rounded, and well-broke horse that can handle a variety of situations. This is Eric Dent from Sampete Horse Training. I've got with me today Anna, one of our horse trainers. Welcome, Anna. Hello. So today we're going to talk about a topic that just about anybody in the horse industry knows about, and that is horses that buck. So um, obviously a big problem when a horse gets the idea that they can buck, and we've seen our fair share of problem horses come through our business that have had this habit before they've come to us, and we've also seen horses that we have started that could have developed this habit if we did not approach them properly. So I want to divide our discussion today into three general types of horses when it comes to this problem of bucking. So the first group of horses are those that are afraid. So they're bucking because of their, because they are afraid of something. These horses generally will be set off into a bucking fit um, when they are either startled by something or something um, that they are truly afraid of kind of comes into the picture and sets them off and makes them start to buck. And these horses, when they buck, usually will buck fairly hard and as long as it takes to get somebody off of them and then run, run off. The second group of horses are those that buck because they don't want to move. These are typically your lazier type of horses. And they're not afraid of anything. They're just bucking because they're basically telling you that they don't want to have to work. And so in their mind, they're thinking, if I buck, then maybe I can get out of this. Um, we see this type of horse quite frequently, as, not necessarily ones that, that really get into the habit of it, but we, we see a lot of horses that come through as young colts that could develop this habit if we were to allow them to. The third category are those horses that have made bucking a habit. And it has started because of one of the other two categories, but now it is a habit and it is not something that they've just done once or twice. They've, they've bucked several people off over you know, a, an extended period of time. And so the habit has been reinforced in their mind as a solution to whatever their issue is. And these horses are definitely a little bit different and they have to be approached differently. So let's go back to the first and talk about the first one. So those that are afraid of something. So Anna, what do you think is the way to prevent a horse from bucking due to fear? Oh gosh, so this is the, this was due to the first time that I actually came off a bucking horse. Um, Let me just kind of paint you a picture here. I'm riding a horse that hasn't been ridden for a while in the just in the arena. Um, it's really stormy, like it's actually thunder and lightning. Um, there's even horses next to the uh, arena that are in an open pasture and are kind of running around all crazy. And I ask my horse to lope. Uh, and so she naturally is loping very, very fast, kind of head in the air. And my attitude was, I don't know if I was trying to be brave or what, but I was like, okay, hey, you're going to lope fast, so we're going to lope fast. And I kind of spurred her on and whacked her. And she went, and she just immediately started bucking hard. And 
Well, I wrote out five of those bucks, but she bucked six times. So <laughs> I came off and she continued to buck. It wasn't like I came off and she stopped. She just bucked all the way to the end of the arena until she kind of ran into the fence. Um, and then she stopped and, you know, I had jumped up and was kind of running after her. And by the time I got to her, she had cocked her leg and was licking her lips. Like she didn't really know <laughs> what was happening because I was suddenly running right at her and jumped back on her so fast and asked her to lope again and she was completely fine. Um, but the issue wasn't really the fact that, you know, she got away with the bucking. It was that I'm the one that actually uh, started it in the first place. Would she have ever done it? Probably not. Um, but it was completely rider-induced. And the problem was is I was using, you know, sensitization when she already was very, very much sensitized. Um, so in that case, uh, you know, if she would have spooked at something in Starbuck, then I would have pulled her around, then started working her and, uh, around the object or just working around getting her mind thinking um, instead of asking her to do something that was only going to make it worse. So this whole, whole idea of sensitizing horses really key with this. Horses that buck because they're afraid are bucking because they're afraid, not not for any other reason. And so a big key to keeping this from occurring in the first place is, is not only to not sensitize them, but also to desensitize them quite a bit. And it almost seems like the type of horses that, you know, like the scenario that you just gave, you can almost predict that it's going to happen before it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Especially looking back at it, I'm like, what was I even thinking? I mean, was I very experienced? No, but I don't know. I hope that other people would be a little smarter than I am when they're at that level too. Yeah, so noticing your horse's behavior, making sure that if they are on edge and are fairly sensitive, sometimes the weather, sometimes there could be a lot of different reasons why this is out there, but they're acting this way, but, uh, but making sure that you go through some desensitizing exercises before you go and ask them to, to do something different. Um, any other ideas on how to, how to prevent it from happening in the first place in a horse that's fearful? Gosh, just a lot, a lot of desensitization beforehand. You know, I didn't, you didn't need to wait until it was really, really stormy and they were acting really funny that one day uh, to do it. It's just a lot of, you know, doing it every single day, uh, making, it, making them so that they're prepared uh, for that, you know, when things are scary. They've experienced scary things a lot, and so they understand, oh, if I calm down, it'll go away. Oh, if I start thinking about this, it'll go away. Uh, just doing a lot of desensitizing beforehand. I mean, uh, I think before, if I would have spent a lot of time with that horse, even on the ground with a plastic bag, I can guarantee you that something flying over her the next day on a stormy day would not have ended in the same result. Yeah. I think another thing for this is uh, consistency. The more sensitive a horse is, the more really the more consistent you've got to ride them. You know, that we all love the old deadhead kid horse that you can get on six months, you know, down the road since the last time he was ridden, and, and they're totally fine. But the reality is not all horses are like that. So the more sensitive that they are, the more consistent you have to be in actually riding them. And so I think one of the big keys with bucking due to fear is, is make sure you're not just that weekend warrior that's riding once a month on a horse that really needs to be ridden once every other day. 
And, and really, if that's the issue, you can't ride that often, then you need to get a horse that doesn't match that sensitive of a profile. So what do you think, Anna, once they start doing this? How do you go about fixing it? So we talked a little bit about prevention and desensitizing, consistency, right type of horse, but let's say that they, they do start to do this, and maybe they've done it a time or two where they get afraid of something and they decide to buck you off. How do you go about uh, actually addressing it at that point? Yeah, I think a huge part of it is just reprimanding them. I mean, you know, everyone's going to get maybe a little nervous uh, but the worst thing that can happen is getting off and putting the horse away or uh, getting off and, you know, not getting back on. Um, but really, if a horse starts bucking and then it's followed up with a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of, you know, having to move around and waste a lot of energy, they're going to stop, you know, stop bucking as much because they're realizing that there's going to be a lot of hard work after that. Yeah. So you, you mentioned that one of the worst things you could do is to, to get off the horse and go put them away. What, go put them away. Why would that matter? What, you know, say, say, you know, John Doe's riding the horse through the pasture. It spooks it. A plastic bag, you know, blowing in the wind. The horse bucks him off. He's kind of a little bit sore, confidence shaken, doesn't really want to get back on the horse. So you're saying don't put that horse away. Instead, get back on it. Why, why is that so important? I mean, it's going back to when you're desensitizing them, you know, they don't like that object there, but they have learned that once they stand there, then the object will leave. Uh, and it's kind of the same thing with, you know, they're bucking, well, you're the object, and if you come off, then you're leaving, and that's a release to them, uh, and that's how they learn. And so they're figuring out that, all right, I buck, and then I just got put back with my buddies and got some... Uh, good hay, and this is a pretty nice treat here. So uh, next time this happens, I guess that's what, what the answer is. I've just got to go ahead and buck again. Yeah, it's a very powerful thing for a horse. We use this in horse training all the time. We, whenever we get off of a horse after a training session, we always make sure that we get off when they did something exceptional. And it is amazing how powerful this is in a horse's mind. Um, I actually had this happen just the other day with one of the Mustangs that we were uh, that we're working with through our Buy a Mustang program, and this horse um, was having kind of a little bit of a hard time with this uh, directional loping exercise where we're trying to get him to go from one corner of the arena to the other, and he kept drifting back towards these other horses, and I kept having to kind of reprimand and get him to go back to the other side of the arena and then one time after like 20 30 minutes of working on this he actually loped straight and um and even went a little bit to the opposite side of the arena so i stopped him and i got off for like four or five minutes and just let just let him sit there just pet on him and you know check the email on my phone and, and just let him sit there and then i got back on him and I went back to the same exercise, and he started drifting to the opposite side of the arena. He had learned, because I got off of him, that that's what I wanted. And so it's very, very powerful in a horse's mind when you get off of them, no matter whether you got off or they bucked you off, that is a major release to them, and it, it solidifies in their mind that whatever they were doing right before that is what they should have been doing. So we use this as a positive thing in horse training all the time, but a lot of people don't realize that when they get bucked off and then they go put them away, they're actually 
teaching the horse very solidly that that's what it's supposed to do. Yeah, and it's interesting because kind of what I had always been taught or read in books and and seen in, you know, movies and everything was you get back on so that you're not the one that's scared. Like it's almost kind of toughening you up. Like you get bucked off, you get back on. And... Cowboy up. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so that's kind of how I had always thought of it until I actually started training and realized that, you know, it's, it's opposite. And I'll tell you what, it's a lot more motivating to pick yourself up out of the dirt and get back on, knowing that if you don't get back on, the horse is going to do it again tomorrow. Yeah, and probably buck even harder. <laughs> so, okay, so um, I want to talk for just a second about a comment that you made, Anna, and that is the, to kind of reprimand them for doing it. I think this is really important. You know, a horse is a 1,200-pound animal that could absolutely kill you in the blink of an eye. And... I'm always amazed at when a horse starts bucking, people are like, oh, his back must hurt. Oh, yeah. his hocks must hurt. Oh, he must, you know, whatever. He's in pain. Yeah, and I just, I just don't understand that, that, you know, this horse could kill you doing this, you know. And, and so for me, I, I just couldn't agree more with that assessment. When they decide to buck, man, I am coming unglued on them. I want them to know that they better fear for their life (laughs) if they're going to buck. Now, you have to use judgment with this. If the horse is afraid of something and it's bucking, um, then clearly if you add a lot more pressure to that, you're going to create an even bigger problem because you're making them even more fearful. But the point is you want this to be a very uncomfortable thing for them. And sometimes that equals doing a lot of um, lope and circles or or you know, just a lot of changes of direction, sometimes backing a horse up. The bottom line is you don't want to make this any sort of a comfortable thing. Um, the last horse that I rode that truly bucked on me, um, and we'll talk about this horse in a second here, but um, the, the, the way that I quote-unquote reprimanded him was I, I took him in and started doing rollbacks on the fence, and I, and I really jacked him up hard, like, like really got him moving really, really, really fast. Like, hey, loping, loping is not good enough, buddy. You better be running as hard as you can. And I did it for 10 or 15 minutes so that when I got off the horse, he thought to himself, man, I bucked. And then I had to work my guts out. And then he got off of me. <laughs> and that just kind of solidifies in their mind. So I, you know, I'm not suggesting you go and just start whacking the crap out of them after they start to buck. Because that, if they're bucking because of fear, you're just making that worse. But you do need to make this a very uncomfortable situation for the horse. So uh, what do you think, Anna? A horse that is bucking because it's afraid, is there any hope for a horse like that? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it might take a little bit longer than, than those that are fearful and haven't bucked before. Um, and it's going to take, you know, a lot, a lot of desensitization um, and a lot of work, and it's going to be, you know, a little bit scary maybe up there trying to, you know, working and knowing that it, might come, but I mean, I've had one before and they're great. I think these ones need a little bit, you know, a lot more consistency than other ones, but I mean, I've had, I've had horses that have, you know, been known to buck a lot, but have also been, uh, one of the most respectful and, and, uh, most predictable horses too. Yeah. To me, this is a very, very fixable thing in almost every instance. We're going to talk a little bit later about horses that have developed this habit of bucking, and that's where it gets more difficult to fix. But if they're just, if they buck one, you know, they buck you off once just because they were afraid of something, that's 100% fixable in almost every single instance. 
Um, and so just keep that in mind. Okay, uh, let's, let's go on to the next category of horse. That is those horses that buck because they don't want to move. So what do you think, Anna? We've, we've seen this a few times in our company with younger colts that we're starting. How do you prevent this from occurring in the first place? Before, before it ever becomes a problem, how do you keep it from becoming a problem? Yeah, so I think there's kind of two steps to it. So it's not uncommon for them to kind of kick out um, when you're first getting them to lope. And part of it is they're trying to find the answer. And yeah, they are um, kind of protesting uh, what you're asking them to do, but they learn that that's not I mean, they don't get a release from it, so eventually it kind of fades out. But then you do have some that continue to use it, and then they get pretty disrespectful. And I don't know, so I think these are kind of funny because, uh, I mean, like halfway through, you know, they might start to buck, and you shut them down and then go right back to doing it. And, you know, most of the time I haven't really had them uh, try it again uh, but sometimes they've gone and bucked a little bit and then you just make them work. And, you know, then when they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, okay, we can stop now. Like, I understand. It's like, nope, we're going to keep working and keep working and really make you think twice about it. And then we're going to stop for a little bit, make you go right back to working and make you think three times about it. And just, uh, you can really see it click in their mind pretty fast. Yeah, Absolutely. So uh, a lot of these horses are just kind of the lazier type. And, and one of the things that we've noticed in our company is that we can pretty much predict which horses are going to try this. And we can pretty much keep it from happening in the groundwork phases. So a lot of times these are younger colts that are a little bit lazier and they have ne never been ridden. And so one of the places that we fix it is in the round pen. And... Uh, the way that we fix it there is we make sure that they will lope very freely for a long period of time. So we point and get them loping, and then we make sure that they can keep that lope for a long period of time before we allow them to kind of shut down. The stereotypical horse that will try to buck when you start riding them in the arena is the one that you try to get them to lope in the round pen, and they only make it two or three strides before they're trying to trot again. And so we're really, really big on trying to make sure that when we ask them to lope in the round pen, that is fixed. That, that forward motion problem is fixed before we ever get on their back. Um, and if you don't do this, then it's very, very predictable that they will try to, to buck. So often they won't buck right to begin with. So what are some of the premonitory signs that you might see, Anna, before they decide to actually hog out, start bucking on you because they don't want to move? Yeah, so they kind of start just trying you in small, simple ways. Uh, so you might notice that when you ask them to lope off, they might lope off great, but they're swishing their tail. Uh, then you might ask them to lope off another time, and they swish their tail and kind of pin their ears. Uh, then they might swish their tail, shake their head a little bit, and then pin their ears. Um, and those are all just warning signs. And I think also just making sure that you're getting them to stretch out and actually giving them a release when they're uh, loping good. I mean, everyone wants a slow, comfortable lope, but not one that is constantly breaking down, one that you're having to push the horse into. Um, your legs are getting sore just trying to keep them at that lope. Uh, you know, it's that's completely different than them being respectful and, com and at like a comfortable speed. 
Yeah. Another premonitory sign a lot of times we see is that they kick out. So they'll, like Anna just suggested, they'll, they'll pin their ears, they'll shake their head, they'll switch their tail. And then a lot of times that progresses to them kicking out. So they just kind of, there's just a little bit of a hop and a kick or even just a little kick with a hind leg. And usually it comes right when you're asking them to lope. Um, and that's a really common, consistent thing that occurs before they actually try to buck on you. Um, and when you see that, you want to make sure that you push them forward. So we had this horse that was uh, trained by us here a little while ago, and um, the owner was adamant that we don't lope this horse because we might hurt it. And all that this owner wanted was a horse that could go up the trail and, as this person said, basically, I'm never going to lope it, so I don't want you to lope it. So what's the problem with that, Anna? Oh, gosh. Well, one, it's never even going to move forward. Um, and eventually, you know, yeah, it might, it might throw a tantrum at the lope, but then it's going to start throwing a tantrum at the trot. And really, I think the, uh, your confidence in the horse being respectful all comes from the foundation of how well they lope. And so not even using it or not even um, having the horse do it is not going to end well. So in this case, we basically had to lope the horse. I mean, and the bad part was it was, it was, a, it was the type of horse that would have started the buck because it was so lazy. And, and so, you know, basically we had to explain, look, we, we have to lope them. That's like asking a contractor to build your house. Like, I just want a beautiful bathroom, you know, just with ornate fixtures and a nice tub and, you know, jetted, jetted water coming into the tub and all that kind of stuff. But I really don't know why you're charging me that $20,000 to build that foundation. It doesn't make any sense, yeah. you know? And so we basically had to explain that, look, you know, if you want to be able to walk your horse up to the trail and not have it buck you off, then we've got to lope this horse. It's that simple. Yeah. And that, and that horse, like I remember when I was, uh, I got him out in the foothills and was just asking him to lope forward and, he never really kicked out, but he dove down the side of a hill knowing that I, he figured I would, you know, make him stop. Or he ran into trees. Like, he got pretty, pretty desperate just not to lope. And that's definitely going to transfer. He knows that maybe he could get away with doing that. And so then when the owner asks him just to lead one way or walk him across water and he doesn't want to do it, well, he knows that back when he was asked to lope and he didn't have to, uh, it's going to transfer over to little, little situations like that. So the, the single most common ride that we see uh, this occur in, as in a horse that tries to buck because it doesn't want to move, or even some of those premonitory signs to bucking, is the first ride that we do on a colt in the arena. The way that we start colts is we ride them three times in the round pen and then we move them to the arena the same day as the, the, the third ride in the round pen. And um, the first ride in the arena seems to be the most consistent ride where this will occur. And it's also the easiest time to get it out of them. So how do we get it out of them, Anna? You've, you've ridden quite a few of them that have tried this. Um, yeah. So how, how describe to the audience how we actually keep this from being a problem before it ever becomes a problem. Yeah, so for one, you don't really see it in the round pin as much because they can't really truly stretch out. Uh, they're going in a, you know, a small circle, and even if they can go fast, it still is, um, 
you know, they're still technically kind of running into a wall each time. And so getting them out in the arena kind of opens them up and allows them to really move forward. And so, you know, it's not, it's not rare to have them kick out at all, but it's just really, uh, we shut them down right after they uh, break into the lope. And so that way they kind of immediately get a release from just taking a few strides. And so we give them the easy answer to begin with. Um, and we just kind of continue to push them a little bit further, a little bit further. And then that first ride, we really make sure to actually get them to lope out and lope pretty fast and lope for a good amount of time and making sure that you're always giving them breaks when they've been consistent and they've been stretched out, um, never even giving them anywhere close to an answer uh, when they're loping really slow or trying to break down or trying to run toward a, uh, the side of the arena so they'll have to stop and dart, just like making sure that they've loped a good consistent amount at a nice speed. Um, and really, I think it, it's always easier for me to actually stop them when they're stretched out and loping faster than you want. Uh, it's just a lot easier to go back to the next day and uh, get them to slow down a little bit than having to you know, struggle with the kicking out and everything again. It's kind of crazy how when you push them on that first day into the lope and then stop them on them actually running, it's amazing how powerful that is in their mind the next day. Then it's like you have the opposite problem. Then they want to run off with you and because they think that's the answer, and then you got to kind of key them back into you know not being so fast. But it's, that's a better problem to have than one that's trying to buck because it doesn't want to move. So we see this quite often. For every nine horses we have that don't want to move forward and potentially could be the type that wanted to buck, we probably only have one that wants to run away with us. And that's that might even be a little bit too high of a percentage, one out of nine. Yeah. You know, or one out of ten. I, I think that, you know, it's probably more like one out of twenty that want to run away with us. So this is a really big uh very, just a very common thing, something that can be fixed with groundwork, but if you get into the arena and they start doing this, you got to really reinforce it. So um, once they start doing this, like let's say that, you know, we didn't get a handle on it and they actually did start to buck um, because they don't want to move. So the stereotypical case is you squeeze the horse, you're asking them to go into the lope, and then all of a sudden they put their head down and start trying to buck. So what is the best way, Anna, to, in that moment, to fix that problem? Um, so, I mean, beforehand, you can always go back to doing the groundwork. You know, you get a lot of respect on the ground. Um, and really, if, you know, it's easier to kind of fix the problem on the ground before you get in the saddle. It's a little bit safer that way, too. Um, but as soon as they start bucking, you just have to shut them down or avoid it before it even happens. Being really in tune with um, your horse and paying attention to the warning signs um, and making sure that, you know, when they start to make a snorting sound or when they start to put their head down, you're shutting them down instead of waiting until you're on the, you know, on the, like me on the, on the fifth buck before I'm like, okay, I'm trying to get my balance so I can get the rain here to shut them down. Um, just making sure that you're stopping it before it occurs um, and still working them hard. So it's kind of like you shut them down and then you immediately go back to working them hard. Yeah. I mean, you want to make sure that when you're shutting them down, that's not the release. You know, I mean, usually that's what they want is, 
you're, you're shutting them down, you can't sit there and rest, because otherwise, then that's what they're going to want. Um, just, you're almost like redirecting their brain, really. Just shut them down and then go right back to doing it. So we actually have a horse right now that I alluded to earlier that, that got into this habit. So he was a, uh, we started him as a two-year-old, uh, he's a little bay gilding, a little quarter horse gilding, and he's, he's definitely on the lower end of the, of the motivation scale. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people kind of do this little one to 10 sort of a, a grading system on horses as to how crazy and hot they are, you know, a one being the type that you got to spur every step and then the 10 being the crazy barrel horses trying to run off with you all the time. And, and this colt would have been like about a three. He was, he was not totally lazy, but he was definitely more lazy than he was forward. And so we started him um, about a year and a half ago and um, he did pretty well. He did kick out, if I remember right, once or twice in the first few rides and we got him past that. We loped him a lot. We put him on the dirt roads. He was doing really good. And we got him to where he was really, really well broke horse. Um, and he'd been ridden by a lot of different people and just very respectful, very soft. Um, still didn't love to get out and lope, but just the type of horse that just anybody could get on and, and, and ride. And we had a lot of people ride him. So then um, we, we actually kept this horse. This is one that we purchased. Um, we kept this horse and, and we turned him out for a little bit. And then uh, we brought him back in, put shoes on him after a couple months and started riding him again. And he was still great. Um, and then we let an 11-year-old girl start riding this horse. And she rode him for probably, I would say, probably three or four or five months. Yeah, a while. And it was a lot of, a lot of riding, like like five or six days a week, you know, loping down the dirt roads with her friend and, and uh, you know, in the arena and around town. And it was just like this horse, it was just like a, a match made in heaven. And they really got along well with each other. Well, then, slowly but surely, what started to happen was she would ask him to lope and then he would switch his tail. And then that kind of made her a little bit nervous. So she'd, she'd stop for a second, shut him down, and then, and then try it again. And then he started to figure out that she wasn't quite as, as uh, confident as the trainers had been. And so then he started to shake his head and then he started to pin his ears a little bit. And then, he, and then she'd get him into the lope and he'd break back down and, you know, and then she'd have to get him into the lope again. And this went on for, for a little while. And then sure enough, before we knew it, he started to, to try to buck a little bit. Um, and it was kind of amazing how, how this progression occurred and it really came down to the rider not having the confidence to push the horse forward and to make him move and to really reprimand him when he started to show those behaviors. And so clearly this horse was not really that great of a fit for this individual at this moment. Now at any time, we could have gone back and fixed this by putting an adult on him once a week and we would have never had any problems. Um, and you know, it, it's just one of those things where he just needed another 60, 90 days or even just once a week of an adult just making him lope to kind of keep that maintenance going of making him realize that he needs to lope when he's asked to go. And so that was a really interesting, one of the more dramatic cases that we've seen. We still have this horse and he hasn't been ridden for a couple months now. And I can pretty much guarantee you if we were to jump on him today and ask him to lope, he would try to bump yeah. us. But I can also pretty much guarantee you that within two or three days I could have that 11-year-old girl riding the horse again without any problem 
All it would take is loping them down the dirt roads and really making them realize that we expect them to move out. So, um, so Anna, what do you think about this? Do these horses have any hope? The ones that that maybe have started to think that they can buck because they don't want to move? Do they have any hope for the future? No, they do for sure, but you've just got to be confident with loping to begin with. Um, and just making sure that you work with them, really. And I mean, um, every time they get away with something, it's it takes quite a bit more times of doing getting the proper answer to kind of reinforce it. And so just making sure that uh, you stop it now and and just loping them a lot, they definitely have hope for the future. Okay, so we've talked about these two categories of horses. First was those that are afraid of something and buck out of fear. And then the second was those that don't want to move and they buck out of disrespect. So, Anna, why don't you describe to the audience how do people tell the difference between those two horses? If the horse were to start to buck, how do they know which one is which? Oh, well, if, uh, if it kind of is also like your environment, too. Is there actually something that your horse is scared of? Like, are the, is their head in the air? Are their ears pinned forward? Um, are they kind of snorting and looking at everything? Is their attention on you or is it not? Um, and a lot of the other times when it's out of disrespect, they're just being really, really lazy. Uh, they don't want to move forward. They're uh, resisting having to, you know, uh, go for it at that time. Um, and really just making sure that you're keeping up on the desensitizing uh, and the sensitizing equally. Yeah, it's usually pretty easy to tell. You know, the one's afraid, the other one's not. The one doesn't want to move, the other one does, right? So yeah. it's pretty simple to tell if, you, if you're really kind of keyed into what the horse is trying to, to tell you. And obviously the way to fix those are totally different. If you were to take a horse that is afraid of something and whack it over the butt and make it move, then you're going to just get launched. But if you take the horse that is being lazy and you whack them over the butt and just make them move, then that's the, that's the answer. That's how you fix it. So really, fixing these problems really depends on recognizing what type of horse you're dealing with. And really, it is just that simple. It's either one of those two categories. You know, there's always the, the crazy thing that might occur, like, you know, maybe there was a burr under the saddle, or maybe they got stung by a bee, or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's still the same thing. They were afraid of something. They were afraid of that feeling on their back. They were afraid of the bee stinging them, you know. So it's either fear and they bucked out of fear, or it is out of not wanting to move, and they're bucking because they're lazy. Okay, so this next category of horses that buck really always starts with one of the first two. But the difference here is that the horse is in the habit of bucking, as in they've bucked someone off several times, and they've gotten away with it because they got the release, and they've started to realize that it is the answer. So bucking is the answer. It wasn't just oh, I got afraid and bucked someone off and didn't really think about it, or, oh, I was being disrespectful, I bucked somebody off because I didn't want to move and didn't really think about it. In this case, they are actively thinking in their mind how to get somebody off their back. And these horses can be extremely challenging. Okay, so before we talk about this group, I want to just address something that I think is kind of interesting in the horse industry, and that is any time that you go to sell a horse... What's the first thing that people always ask you, Anna? Yeah, does it buck on you? Yeah, so has he ever bucked before? Okay, so I I think it's kind of a crappy question. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, well, you can say, no, it's never bucked, but they could take it home, and 10 days later, it could buck. 
Yeah. Well, it depends on what they do with it. Yeah, absolutely. So that bay gilding was a good example of that. He had never bucked. But if we had sold that horse to an 11-year-old girl that wasn't confident, guarantee you he would have bucked, right? And then on the flip side of that, what happens if the horse has bucked? Does that mean they're always going to buck? I think that, you know, that question, I don't even even ask that question if I'm buying a horse. I don't really even care to know because it doesn't really mean anything to me. I think that the one time where it does mean something is this category of horses we're about to talk about here. And that is... um, if they have developed that habit of bucking someone off over and over and over again. But if a horse, you know, just has a bad day and is afraid of something and bucks someone off and that was the only time it's ever occurred, or if it was a little bit lazy and, you know, it's early in its training and it happened to buck somebody off one time, really that doesn't really mean anything. It's, it's no worse than a horse that's never bucked somebody off that then could still get that habit because it wasn't desensitized properly it was afraid or it wasn't made to move because it didn't want to so i just really encourage people to to really take that with a grain of salt if you're buying a horse or selling a horse you know yeah i mean it's history is always nice to know but you can't pin the entire you know future of this horse based off of what it did for one day in the past in the past and the obvious Um, exception to that is a horse that is in a very, very consistent habit of bucking someone off. Okay. So um, once they are in the habit of bucking people off and they've done this a lot, I'm saying probably at least five to 10 times or more, how do you go about fixing that? This is a little more dramatic than the other two examples that we've talked about. Yeah, so I mean, I guess I've said a couple times already, but I go right back to uh, ground zero and start with the groundwork, get their respect under, you know, uh, on the ground, get them thinking. Um, and then once you're actually under a saddle, you're just making sure that you're stopping it before it even comes. I mean, at this time, it's probably going to be a, quite a bit more predictable. Do they, you know, if they're bucking out of fear, maybe when that garbage truck is coming down the dirt road, you're... Uh, flexing them to the side instead of loping them as the truck passes you and they're throwing rocks at you. You know, just being a little bit more prepared in those uh, situations than, you know, if you were on a, you know, quote-unquote more broke horse. So, yeah, the foundation is just huge and, and you got to figure out why they're doing it in the first place. And I, and I would add to that that you can't just go back and do a day or two of groundwork. Yeah. This may take a couple months. You know, and you got to be skilled enough to be able to to find out what it is that really gets to them. You know, um, if the horse is afraid of something touching its flanks, then you need to desensitize those flanks for weeks in a row before you get them to the point where you can touch them with their heel and they don't buck you off. Um, you know, if they're afraid of a four wheeler, you need to spend weeks following four wheelers in your pasture and down the dirt roads and stuff, building their confidence around that that type of a thing. This isn't something that, you know, if it's been going on for a long period of time, this is not something that you're going to fix in just a few sessions. It, it really takes as long as they've been doing it to really truly reverse it. So if the horse has been bucking people off for five years, it's not going to, you're not going to fix it in a month or two. It, it might be years before you really, you know, maybe not years, but a long time before you actually get that out of them. Is there any hope for these horses, Anna? Yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, it's going to take, like I said before, it's going to take a lot, lot longer. Um, but, man, I was at a convention a while ago, and 
that was the main topic is people just, you know, they wanted to tell their stories of this horse they had that bucked them off every single day, but they still cowboyed up and they got on it. And then, you know, then the, their partner would also tell stories of this time they got bucked off this horse and this time they got bucked off this one. And, and then they want to hear my stories. And I really don't have too many of them, and that is perfectly fine. I'd much rather uh, strip it down and start working um, on it. And, yeah, it might take a long time, but I'd rather, you know, I guess not follow the term cowboy up and I'll stay on the ground and fix it and then I'll get under saddle and I'll fix it. And well, that way when everyone else is in the grave, I'm still riding my horse. Yeah. You know, with this group of horses, those that are in the habit of bucking, one of the first things that I would say about this is that inexperienced riders need not be associated with this type of horse. Um, I purchased a horse about, uh, it's probably been about four years ago. Um, actually for my wife and I, I was really looking for something that had a lot of experience and um, so I went and, and rode this horse that had been cowboyed off of for probably six to 12 months straight like really really super hard riding this horse had, had been out on the desert you know working cows all day every day and and was riding you know 30 40 miles a day roping bulls doctoring you know cattle out in the in the open areas, loading semi-trucks. I mean, he had just been ridden into the ground. And um, I ended up buying this horse, and my wife rode him for probably close to six, maybe even 12 months without a single problem. But it wasn't super consistent riding, probably on average maybe once a week. Um, And as time went on, we started to realize just how sensitive this horse really was. When we first got him, he was great because he'd been ridden so hard. And that consistency had basically taken any problems out of him. But then as he got to be, you know, kind of a little bit less used, we started to see the sensitivities start to come out in this horse. And um, to make a long story short, he developed this habit of bucking, which I can't really say for sure, but based off of what I know now about him, I'm, I'm quite certain that he knew this before we got him. He had on his AQHA papers, he had as many previous owners because they will stick on it and he had been purchased out of a livestock sale up in Billings Montana and you know it's really typical these cowboys will go and pick up these horses that aren't worth anything because they got a bad habit and then they go ride them for six to 12 months make good horses out of them and then and then sell them you know but is the problem truly fixed well it kind of depends on the quality uh, of rider that you've got or not necessarily the quality but the the confidence of the rider that you've got that is uh going to be on the horse. And so um, I, I ended up just basically not, we, we, we don't have my wife ride this horse anymore. She's a decent rider, but not super confident. And so I ride him pretty much exclusively at this point. Um, and he had not been ridden just here a couple of weeks ago. He hadn't been ridden for several months. And um, we, I went ahead and got him out, and I had to go. I had this horse that we couldn't catch in a 25-acre pasture, and so I had to go rope it. And um, so keep in mind, this horse is this really sensitive horse. He's pretty well broke, but he's super sensitive. Hasn't been ridden for several months. I go and I jump on him and without doing anything. And I ride him for probably two or three minutes, and he's getting just a little bit pushy, not you know wanting to drift towards the other horses. So... So I push a spur into his side to get him to side past the opposite direction, and he immediately goes to buck, and just super, super sensitive. And he gets about one jump on me. I get his head around. I turn him around. I, I really get after him, and then I take him off again. 
And then I actually went out and roped this, this horse at a full gallop jumping over the top of sagebrush, and he was perfectly fine the rest of the day. And so the point behind that story is that with a confident rider and the correct reprimand, I was able to shut down that horse's behavior in three seconds, and then he just realized, uh, I'm not going to be able to get away with this. And then he was perfect the rest of the day. You know, how many horses do you know that you can pull out of a pasture after a couple months and then go at a full gallop chasing other horses and roping them in a sagebrush-filled pasture? But that would have turned out totally different had I put somebody on him that was not confident. And so I will be the first to tell you that if you've got a horse that bucks a lot and is in the habit of bucking, if you are not a confident rider, you need to get a new horse. But you also need to work on your own um, tendencies towards confident, not, not enough confidence. Otherwise, the next horse you get might have exactly the same problem. Yeah, and really, I don't know. I found that a lot of the confidence mostly comes from balance. And as soon as the horses, you know, maybe start to show signs of bucking, if someone's frantically grabbing onto the mane or grabbing onto the saddle horn and they've got both their hands holding on and then they can't get the reins to actually turn the horse around, that's kind of all the start of before they come off. So I would say just go back to loping, 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 loping. Yeah, absolutely. So the last thing that I want to talk about is, let's say that you, that despite all your best efforts, you've tried and tried and tried to you know, keep the horse from bucking from a standpoint of doing all the right things, desensitizing the sensitive horses and making the other horses go. And let's say that notwithstanding all of those efforts, you're out riding a horse and it does start to buck. So explain to us, Anna, what is the best, easiest, and safest way to get a horse to stop bucking without having to jump off of them or get bucked off of them? Uh, do a, a, um, like a one rein stop. So what you're going to do is you're just going to um, grab one side of the reins and just pull their nose to your shoe. That kind of breaks their body up. You know, when they're bucking, they put their nose down and they just start launching themselves. Um, but once you turn their head to the side, you're kind of breaking up their movement. And it's hard, you know, for a horse to buck like that. Um, and so that's always the first thing you do. It's amazing how quick you can get them stopped when you make this a very reflexive action. Um, you know, I think for, for all the trainers here at Sampy Horse Training, it's just, it's second nature to us. We don't even think about grabbing their face around. If they do something stupid, their, their nose is on our shoe. Um, now, one thing to mention before you start just jerking their face around is make sure that you teach them to flex before you're riding them. And, and this is just a basic thing. This is like, this is like, not doing this is like buying a car without an emergency brake yeah. or without brakes, period. You just have to have this. So teach them how to flex. It's a very, very simple process to do. Do it with a halter, do it with a bridle, and make sure that they know how to flex. So how hard do you pull on them when they start bucking? Gosh, as hard as you want. I feel like this is when, you know, them trying to be soft and supple kind of goes out. There's really not time to to be soft first and then reprimand them. Like, you can just ink their head off, really. Yeah, absolutely. I've had some horses where I literally had to jerk their teeth out to get their head around, and that is totally fine. You know, it, it's, it is not a wrong thing to pull as hard as you can, and even not just pulling steady, but actually pop on them as hard as, as, hard as you can 
to get their head around because it's your safety that is, is at risk in these cases. So. Yeah, I'd say the popping is actually a good one too because usually the horse's reaction with that when they're reactive is they put their head in the air. And so I think that's the same thing. It kind of breaks up the, the motion of bucking too. It gets their attention on you quite a bit quicker. Yeah. We have two horses that we're training right now that both um, have not bucked, but both of them would have bucked had we allowed them to do it. And both of them were instances where they did not want to move forward. Um, and so this is a fairly common uh, thing. We, uh, we've, we've fixed this for, for all intents and purposes at this stage, but you know, both of these horses, when they go home, we're going to be warning their owners that they need to make sure that they're loping these horses because it's, it's going to be maintaining that foundation um, that we've got on them. And, and they're both excellent horses. I don't have any reason to think that there's going to be any issue with them in the future, but it is something that does need to be maintained, just like with that story about the bay gilding and the 11-year-old rider. So what else do you have to share with, with the audience today about bucking, Anna? Tell us, tell us your best story of being bucked off. Oh, I guess I already did. I... I really don't think I have too many stories of being bucked off, and uh, I guess I'm pretty proud of that. Um, I'd say I've only been bucked off the one time, so let's just say I learned plenty from that experience. I think it's a really good perspective. You know, realistically, if they're bucking, then you've done something wrong, and that uh, I think it's a good perspective to have that, you know, we don't necessarily have a lot of stories here at San Pete Horse Training about horses trying to buck. And that's because we've prepped them properly and we've recognized when they are kind of getting to that stage where they might be thinking about doing it. And we've not put them into situations where we're setting them up for failure. We make sure that we set them up for success. Um, I can't, I'm trying to even think. I don't, I don't think that I've ever had one of the training horses buck on me yeah. since we started this company. Um, but I've had several that would have had we actually... Um, you know, allowed that to happen. I was going to say, the horse that bucked on me, that was before I even got into training. So, yeah. yeah absolutely. So, so I hope this helps, uh, helps you to kind of understand the psychology behind why horses buck, what to do about it, how to prevent it, how to be safe while you're doing it. So um, if you are having any trouble with uh, one of your horses that is having this problem, feel free to get a hold of us. We are more than happy to end enter the horse into our training program and to help uh, to get it over it. Um, and then also, if you feel like you just need a little bit better horse, one that has um, kind of been pushed beyond this possibility or at least the likelihood of them bucking, I think that's where our Buy a Mustang program comes in. These horses, not only have they learned to lope, but they've loped hundreds and hundreds of miles by the time they go home. If they're the type that would have bucked out of sensitivity, they've been desensitized thousands and thousands and thousands of times by the time they go home. And so although there will be some maintenance when they go home, depending on the individual horse, these horses are very unlikely to develop this habit as long as somebody's not totally, uh, you know, not confident around the horse. So that program is, uh, there's information about that program on our website. Um, it's under the Horses for Sale tab. Uh, titled Buy a Mustang, where we go and purchase a Mustang from the BLM, train it for 6 to 12 months, and then um, you can take it after that. And these horses go home super, super well broke. We also have training services for your horse, um, where you bring the horse into us and we train it for um, whatever period of time you would like us to do that. 
whether or not it has a problem, um, we're happy to take them and really put a lot of miles on them. One thing that's unique about our company is just simply the number of miles that we put on these horses. Um, so what do you think about that, Anna? As, as, as you started to initially start to work here, what did you think about the amount of actual miles that was being put on these horses when you very first started? Gosh, when I first started, uh, my experience was, yeah, a lot of different horses, and I had loped a lot, but really only in an arena. You know, and I look back and... Uh, you know, those horses were loped a lot, like I jumped a lot, and so uh, they were used to it, but they also, I feel like we're almost a little deadhead. They were just running in uh, to one end of the arena, and then they would turn and run into the other end of the arena. Um, but really getting these guys out and loping and then loping for the amount of time, gosh, it makes just a big difference on your balance and your confidence as it does with them. So it's just so important. It's pretty fun to watch these horses progress. It's really amazing how even after 20 or 30 rides, these horses are as good as most broke horses in, you know, in the valley here. And it just, uh, now obviously they, they will regress if people don't keep riding them after that short of a period of time. But it is truly amazing what that consistency does. We've set up our program to where our horses are being ridden six days a week. So by the time they go home, they are truly well broke and they have a really good attitude and they've had a lot of miles on them. So feel free to get in contact with us if you have a horse that has uh, got any sort of a problem or just needs a lot of miles put on them. We'd love to take the opportunity to train them for you and, and get a good horse, good well-rounded horse for you. Anything else you want to add before we quit, Anna? No, no just a... Uh... It really helps loping and miles make the horse confident, and everyone wants to ride a confident horse. So, Okay, well, until next time, um, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. We'll see you again next week. All right, we'll see you.